Hello, and welcome to a special edition pre-tournament coverage episode series from the Plastics Podcast. Here, three American wankers will do their best to give you some coverage on the teams going into this World Cup and why you should care. You're joined by Poland expert and Robert Lewandowski media advocate, Maddie Gaylor. Money in the bank. Senegalese superfan himself, Blair Lacrosse. It's me. And myself, the Ecuadorian enthusiast, Jacob Burke. It's been hyped for so long. It's been in talks, controversy, debates for what feels like an eternity, but it's here. At the time of recording, a week out, we find ourselves at the brink of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. 32 nations have the privilege of playing on the world stage for their countries with the chance of achieving ultimate glory in the most watched sports event in the world. And we are here to give you some brief but informative coverage on all 32 nations to give you some key talking points and what to look for in the coming games, in the coming trials ahead for each Mm. team, and what their chances are at cementing themselves in glory. Okay, okay, okay. Boy, oh boy. It's here. It's upon us. Boy, Blair, that was excitement. I think that uh, as I was researching, it came suddenly to me. It's like, it's happening. It's here. To me, the World Cup was like something that was going to happen. But now that I was doing all this research and going into like each country's like performances and historical World Cups, now it's like, this. it's a week away. It's seven days away. Terrifying. Terrifying that we have zero control over our lives in a week. Yeah, in a week's time, uh, the Plastics Podcast will be doing its best to watch every single game, all 64 of them. One person will. And that will be for us EST folks starting in the wee hours of 5 a.m. to get the games on uh, that are going on in Qatar all the way till, I believe, 2 p.m., so thankful we don't live on the East Coast. Nope, West Coast. We live on the East Coast. <laughs> I mix it up every single time. Yep. I'm so thankful we don't live on the West Coast because West is not best in this scenario. You would have to get up at 2 a.m. or just stay up. Yeah, the West Coast will just be late nights, I think. I think people will just be doing the night shift, right? All the journalists that live in California. Probably the better strategy, yeah. Yeah, they'll sleep during the day. All right, so for this first episode, we're going to be going through groups A through D. Do we do we want to do any small talk? How was your week? <laughs> do we do we want to break into that really really quick? We have a lot to cover. I think we should just get into it. All right, Group A starts with Qatar. Who is Qatar? I have Qatar. Um, All right, Jacob. Well, hang on, hang on. We'll slow your roll here, folks. It's uh, I know we've got a lot to cover, but I think some I think it's important to let. Uh, everyone know the kind of format this will be introducing. So we all have divvied up the teams amongst uh, the 32 that have been invited, and uh, we are going to cover them with a specific format. So 
Uh, we've got certain categories, certain main categories that we have filled out. Uh, the uh, We're doing a jersey rating on their quote home and away jerseys for each team. Uh, I think we actually have different rating systems, so we're going to figure that out as we continue. Well, Blair and I went with the usual rating system out of 10, um, and Jacob went with lettering that had no... I don't understand what you said. I oh. read it as I went S A D and I was like, Oh, that's sad. No, it's a very popular rating system. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people use it. Um, and then we're doing a narrative for each team going into the world cup. Um, like what sort of story surrounds the team as we burgeon in and then their style of play as we understand it from uh, the World Cup qualifying games they've played. A uh, big issue that the teams will have to overcome if they are to find any success here. And players to watch. This can be one or however many, uh, you know, each respective Plastics Podcast member chooses that they think is going to be important for the team. And then lastly, uh, the prediction for this team as uh, for the World Cup overall. It can be hopeful, it can be pessimistic, or it can be, you know, totally middle-of-the-line average, depending on what grabbed your attention, you know, while while we were researching. So, uh, that being said, uh, without further ado, I, I can, uh, Maddie, kick us off. Are we setting a timer for five minutes? What's going on? I think uh, each team will have, uh, some teams will naturally be, have more time devoted because of, the events surrounding them. So I think that it's, but, you know, try to keep it under 10 minutes. Group A, Qatar. Jacob. Qatar, the host nation, have, well, secured the bid for this World Cup in a unarguably controversial set of events that have seen us to having the first Asian country hosting the World Cup. Uh, the first country hosting the World Cup in the, um, well, in the Eastern Hemisphere, um, and the first country to host the World Cup in quite a unique set of climate conditions, I want to say. Uh, and this has led to questions being asked everywhere about, you know, what it is that Qatar brings to the, to the stage here. Outside of that, I'm going to uh, cover... Qatar as a team. I have labeled them AKA the gang buys FIFA. Qatar's manager is Felix Sanchez Bas, and he is uh, got some pedigree. He's got 10 years of experience as a La Masia coach. So before heading to Qatar to manage, uh, you know, some uh, non-youth teams, he has a lot of Spanish influence, a lot of Barcelona influence. So what does that mean? You can probably gather that this team is going to have a lot of breadth of width as a team, and they're going to try to do fancy passing plays. It's going to be like a, a Qatar soccer team with a Spanish infusion into it. I think that's going to be kind of unique. Their FIFA ranking is 50. Uh, and what does uh, this mean for their group? Well, they're facing off Ecuador, number 44 on the FIFA rankings, the Netherlands, number eight, and Senegal, number 18. In terms of their jersey rating, um, if you guys want to look at it, I think it's a B tier. It's honestly kind of cool. Uh, I like the dusted uh, away jerseys. They look kind of stylish. And so for this reason, 
I gave it a B tier. B. So for me, thanks, for, <laughs> B for pretty good, pretty good. Yes, pretty I love good. when pretty starts with B. Uh, so I was like, I go S A B C D F. So F, sure, really bad, just terrible. Yep, S as good as you can get. Uh, and superb. I, yeah, and I will say, well, a lot of the jerseys that I saw weren't that great. No, so. I think B is like actually decent. I would translate that to six, six or seven. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, my narrative uh, is the hosts get a chance to crack away at the world stage after paying off everyone and their mother. So what has <laughs> Qatar done to get to the World Cup? They have paid off a lot of people and they have uh, secured a spot through the grace of the uh, manner in which their land falls around the natural resources that most of the world desires. I'm not even going to go into any more of that. So the style of their team, though, I think is probably the most important because they play a 3-5-2 in possession against better sides. What is, this is this means everyone else barring a very few, like two or three nations. Uh, so they're probably going to play a 3-5-2 for the most part. The fullbacks themselves, they drop into defense, so... Uh, when this happens, it becomes more of a 5-3-2. Uh, and you can see Felix's uh, idea here is to get the fullbacks pushed up when in possession to get some smooth passing plays uh, that create the buildups for goals. Uh, and they also like to, when sitting back against better sides, exploit quick counterattacks when necessary. Not traditionally a La Masia idea, but necessary when you are ranked number 50 against teams like, say, the, the Netherlands. Um, their big issue uh, going into this is that they're defensively porous. They have uh, also a penchant to uh, use money to solve everything. So I think that's going to be a big issue going for them. Uh, however, their players to watch here, I've got uh, Akram Akif. As their number 11, uh, he plays for Al Saad, which was uh, actually Xavi's former team that he coached. He led uh, in Qatar's most notable international uh, victory. They led the team to an Asian Cup in 2019, and he led the team in assists there. So that is their big trophy going in. Um, my prediction for Qatar is that while they have won the Asian Cup in 2019, uh, they don't bring a lot much much else to the table. Uh, Qatar had to do about a six-month preparation training for their players against other international sides that weren't in Asia just to get their players a better feel for uh, higher opposition. And they also had to get themselves to be invited to other tournaments that they had no business being a part of in order to face more World Cup-appropriate sides like finishing third in the 2021 Gold Cup in CONCACAF. Uh, so we played them, unfortunately. So uh, what's my final prediction? I can't see Qatar pulling off a host run look quite like Russia did in the 2018 World Cup. I don't think they will beat the Netherlands, and I think uh, they will not beat Senegal. And after uh, researching Ecuador, I don't think they'll beat Ecuador either. I'm not, I don't think they'll get any points at all. Yikes. Yeah, I have no faith in Qatar. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, moving on, uh, let's, I know we have Ecuador next, but I'm going to give myself a chance to break here, so why don't we do Senegal or the Netherlands next? Blair, do you want to go next with Senegal? Sure. 
Senegal are an interesting team. They're led by their manager, Aliou Cisse, who is a very handsome man. Uh, they've got that going for them for sure. Uh, he will look good on the touchline. Um, often sporting a fresh pair of glasses or sunglasses. Uh, so he's got he's to style down. They currently sit 18th in the FIFA rankings. Um, they've come, they're coming off a pretty decent run um, as a for a national team side, uh, having won AFCON recently. And uh, yeah, just making it out into the World Cup. I think that there was a bit of a topsy-turvy qualification for them, but they uh, ended up doing it in the end. Um, they find themselves in Group A, of course. So Ecuador, 44th, Netherlands, 8th, and Qatar, 50th in terms of rankings. So they sit favorably in the rankings if you want to put your stock in that. They play a 4-3-3 style, but it's fairly conservative. Their midfield three, is, they're all like kind of holding midfielders, more or less. Um, they have Chekugut Kuyate, um, Idrissa Ganagay, and... Um, Nem, uh, Nampolis Mendy, who is the uh, Leicester City player. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're all fine players. They just don't inspire a lot of confidence uh, in an attack if you're if you're me. So um, there's that. But I think they'll offer some decent solidity defensively, which is good. Big issue for them is, in my view, Sadio Mane might not be fully healthy, which is rather unfortunate timing. Mm-hmm. He injured his knee not too long ago, and had to leave a game for Bayern. He's been in great form for them, and he's obviously very much their talismanic player, and they need him to be in top form, I think, to make any waves in the World Cup. He is going to be with the team. There was questions about that, and I believe he's insisting that he'll be at full health by the time the World Cup rolls around, but if he's not, I think that is a big blow to them. Despite this, though, they still have some pretty interesting players. I mean, names that are, I'd say are relatively household at this point. Um, Sadio Mane being one of them, of course. But they also have Ismail Assar, who plays at Watford. He's been in and out of the Premier League. He's a pretty exciting player. Tons of energy, very quick, um, good attacking skills. And um, Bulaye Dia, who has played at Villarreal. I believe he's in Italy now at... Uh, Salernitana, is that the, the name of it? Salernitana. Salernitana. He is a very big pres- physical presence. He's got a ton of speed. I remember being pretty impressed with the few Villarreal matches I watched where he played. And yeah, I think he'll be a, a, just a big presence for them centrally. So really we'll have to see what ends up happening with Saudi Omana. And I really think in the end, they'll go as far as he can take them. Um, jersey rating. Now, Senegal have fallen into the black hole of Puma. And unfortunately mm-hmm. for them, Puma decided to uh, slap a name tag on all of their jerseys for the World Cup this year so that you know exactly what country each team is playing for. And I think it looks really dumb, quite honestly. So I gave them a pretty poor rating, um, which is unfortunate because I think Senegal have a very cool crest um, for their footballing federation. It's like a, a lion kind of roaring. I think the color scheme is cool. They've got a, you know, the red, green, and yellow. I think it looks really nice. But unfortunately, Puma just completely screwed the pooch on this one. So yeah, I don't know. One out of ten. I'm giving this one an F. I thought it was. I think these are awful. Oof, um, that is rough. Yes. What is my prediction for Senegal? I think they finished pretty comfortably second in this group, right? Not if I've got anything to say <laughs> about it. <laughs> I, I respectfully disagree, sir. Sir, the, uh, the Senegal jersey and the Uruguayan jersey are very similar. Um, it's like the name tag right on the front with the crest yeah, thing. Yeah, Serbia also got those. And yeah. 
Uh, spoiler alert, I also gave him an F. Well, that's fair. <laughs> that's also fair. <laughs> Spoilers, dude! <laughs> uh, did you know uh, that Mendy goes by Papa Mendy? Okay. I should have called him Papa. I would have yeah. preferred that. Yeah. It's fun. He's a, he's a fun guy. Yeah. Yeah, so moving on from Senegal, the, the AFCON champions, the champions of Africa, we move on to Ecuador, a.k.a. Brighton Boys Abroad. All right. Their manager is Gustavo Alfaro. And I don't know much about him. That's a sick name. But it's a cool name. Yeah. They are ranked 44th by FIFA. They will be facing Qatar, Netherlands, and Senegal. All but Qatar are ranked above them. Obviously, Netherlands with eight and Senegal with 18 will be the big questions that are asked of Ecuador. Now, Ecuador are coming into this World Cup with something to prove, okay? They have a national resurgence of talent. They, after having invested heavily into domestic talent um, cropping, uh, scouting, have created the Aspire Academy. And this is a big academy that ship that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> you heard what I said. Aspire? Like asp- a- aspire, A-S-P-I-R-E. Aspire? Oh, not... A S S P Y R E. My bad. Hi, my I'm bad. in the Aspire Academy, Aspire. and my name is Butts McGee. Okay. Can we please give Ecuador some respect? Ecuador have a, invested heavily into domestic talent and have created the Aspire Academy. Beautiful. Ah, Aspire. Uh, aspire, yes, because they aspire to be greater. They aspire to be ass. <laughs> They do aspire not aspire to, not to be, be ass. I, I, I am asking you to give Ecuador <laughs> the proper respect it has garnered by qualifying for this World Cup, ladies and gentlemen, please. <laughs> all right, all right. Ladies continue. and gentlemen and members of the jury. Continue, please. <clears throat> Ecuador will be attending only their fourth World Cup ever. Aw, that, that's great. And with youth on their side. <laughs> now, the Aspire Academy has created some amazing talents, most notably Moises Caicedo. Box-to-box Brighton midfielder extraordinaire. And additionally, Enner Valencia and Purvis Estupignan will be... uh, These are the big players to watch, in my opinion. I think, but most importantly, if you're going to focus on one player, it's going to be Moises Caicedo. He has an incredible engine in him, and he is very good with the ball at his feet. He has the ability to run players down and tackle them and get the ball back. And this is going to be big, especially when they're facing the Netherlands. Uh, Ecuador have a issue in which they don't like to break out of their hole too much. They tend to want to tie games. And this is most uh, obvious in their most recent friendly against Iran, which tied 0-0. They don't really have a go-to striker. And this is the reason that they have to kind of hold back uh, and create a bit of a set-piece threat. So their big thing is that they like corners and free kicks. They are the Brentford of this World Cup, I no, think. No, no, no. I'm pretty sure Brentford is the Denmark of this <clears throat> World Cup, but please continue. They are the Brentford of this World Cup as they are big on set-pieces, and they use their low-block defense fairly effectively. Um in my opinion, a surprising threat in the group despite their low ranking. I think Ecuador will surprise people. They have a lot of youthful talent, and they're going to use this to their advantage. If 
Senegal and the Netherlands want to make it out of this World Cup, they have to make sure they keep their strength and beat Ecuador. Otherwise, Ecuador, I think, will take advantage of that. Their best chance here is to sneak into a second-place group finish, and they have to beat Qatar in order to achieve this. I expect this might happen. They have made it to the semifinal of the Copa America in 2021, and they have made it to the round of 16 in the World Cup before. This is not outside of their uh, the realm of possibility here. And additionally, if uh, Ecuador... Give me a second to track the... If Ecuador make it to second place in Group A, they will face the winners of Group B, which will be us. So we're going to have to reckon with Ecuador if they make it out. Okay. Oh, also, their jersey. Straight F. Horrible. It's just the worst. Look at how uninspired this thing is. Uh, well, no. The blue one is kind of cool. That's not the one they're going to wear. It's going to be the yellow one. They, they're, they're not going to wear either. They're not going to wear both It's going to be blue or white, basically. It's not this one? No, it's bad. I like the blue one. No, yeah. but the yellow one is their jersey. I like, like the, I like the yellow one too. <laughs> it's bad. F. Sorry, but I, I'm very, I'm very bullish on Ecuador. Uh, so any questions, you guys? Um, how are they going to make it out if they can't score goals? Uh, they're going to use the only thing they've got, which is set piece threats. Okay. They're going to tie their way to victory. Yeah. I think the <laughs> Netherlands notably always has a bit of, uh, growth problems, especially, um, with their midfield situation. Uh, Qatar is kind of a non, a non issue. And then Senegal will be, in my opinion, uh, the bogeyman. I really don't know what to think of Senegal. Yeah, I think Senegal will kind of agree with you on that. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. All right. Uh, final member of Group A is Netherlands. Netherlands. Van Hall sleeps hot. Netherla uh, Netherlands spoon him every night. Their manager is Louis Van Hall. Uh, and he is a very interesting guy. He, during a press conference, said that he is a very hot-blooded man. Um, and that his wife can attest because they spoon every night. So You think that's all they do? I didn't think past that. Uh, Netherlands have a fever ranking of eight, you said? I, I saw ten, and I think all of my ratings are now wrong. It was... I think it's eight. I have them at eight as well. Okay. Uh, and they are playing against Senegal, Ecuador, and Qatar, as we all just talked about. So their style is a high press. Uh, they typically play a 4-3-3 or a 3-4-1-2. Um, and they have wing backs that push up. And either De Jong or Coop uh, and Miners. Coop? Coop Miners. Yep. Uh, we'll drop deep, deep to link play from front to back. Uh, they have Van Dyke at the back line, and DePay is at the core of the team. Uh, they keep their shape really well. They constantly are moving with their counterparts. Memphis plays a false nine, typically. De Jong is the ball progressor from the back line, and the back line plays very wide. Uh, they also play a very high line, baiting their opponents to be offsides many a time. Uh, Van Hall is known uh, as the manager who won the Champions League with uh, Ajax. Jersey rating, I kind of like their jersey. Uh, the bright orange one is kind of cool. The blue one is simple, but that's fine. I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. Patterns a 7? Okay. 
it was based off of the other ones that I saw. Um, and I had a lot of bad ones in my group as well. We got this one. This the orange one. Yeah. I don't like how shiny the orange one is. Yeah, it kind of looks like plastic. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Netherlands narrative, uh, basically kind of what I gathered is they're a good vibe team. Uh, there's a lot of talent, and this is like the golden generation for this team. Um, I'm not like fully in on their narrative. I think there's a lot of other teams that have better narratives. It's all right. Uh, they, their big issue for this team is keeping wait, what, a clean wait, 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 sheet. What does that mean? You're not, you're not in on that being a golden generation? I'm not in on their narrative. I, I'm not rooting for them because of their narrative. Oh, okay. You don't sympathize with the no, Netherlands? No. Gotcha. No. Um, they have a ton of great players. So it's, it's like, whatever. Big issue, keeping a clean sheet. Um, also being allowed to keep playing in the tournament due to protest planned by players and fans. Uh, they have already been warned that if they protest, they won't be allowed to stay. Um, De Jong isn't fantastic as a single pivot, and Claussen and Wijnaldum get forward a lot, leaving a lot of holes in the midfield. And then with the high line and Van Dyke being as old as he is, I could see the high line being a problem for them with players getting through. <laughs> What? It's not that old. <laughs> it's just Virg Van Dyke, suddenly old. <laughs> I like that. He's like 30. I think he's 29, maybe. But he's playing old Jacob. Okay, he hasn't problem. been playing as well as... He's been saving himself. <laughs> okay, I hold my point. Players to watch. Um, Memphis, Memphis Depay is a goal-scoring machine, uh, but there also seems to be a cog in that machine. He has been plagued with injuries and missed nine straight games, hopefully to uh, recover for this World Cup team. Uh, on this squad, he plays a false nine with two wingers out wide with tons of space to run into. He has uh, the most recorded shots in qualifying and tied as the joint top scorer with Harry Kane at 12 in qualifying. He has 58 shots, 13 XG, and 12 goals. He is dangerous on the counter and has this ability to finish from crosses and open play and previously played as a uh, wing back, but holding onto the center offender. Currently he can read the field. Well, um, next is De Jong. De Jong has, uh, you know, been dramatic with Barcelona because Barcelona is being dramatic with him, but he is a really, really creative midfielder. Uh, when he is given the space to, Gift passes, as they say. Um, and then my last player to watch, and I'm never sure how to pronounce this because I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. Um, Chavi or Zavi? Chavi. Chavi? Chavi Simmons? Yeah, Chavi Simmons. Okay. Uh, he was uncapped for this team, but still chosen to play for the country. He just moved from PSG to PSV this summer and has already scored eight goals in 13 matches. A Barcelona Academy kid moved to Paris, came back to Netherlands. No small feat for a 19-year-old. It will be interesting to see him play with these big dogs. Big dogs. Oh, oh. I say they move through uh, groups and are out in the round of 16. Okay. You guys want to do like a come to a consensus on Group A then? Sure. Okay. Yeah, the Netherlands are going to finish first. Yeah. Do you agree, Jacob? I think there's a... Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think... I, th I mean, it's probably... It's probable. Yes. There's a... The Netherlands kind of have it in them, the, the little fuck it up, you know? Oh, definitely. Ish they've got. So, I, I think there's a chance they finish second. But, yeah. Let's say first. Okay. Yeah. Somebody else tell me who's going to finish second. <laughs> I don't think Jacob's going to like it. I think Ecuador will finish second. Hmm. 
I think Senegal's going to finish second. <laughs> I, f- I feel like Senegal. My I- guy Moises Caicedo <laughs> might have something different to say here. He's one guy. He's one Gareth very Bale. talented guy. I've got Senegal. I'm sorry, Jacob. I, I buy your. I can buy stock in Ecuador, but I'm not going to invest that heavily in them yet. I think Ecuador will be a point behind Senegal to finish third. Okay. So am I being outvoted here? You can say for the record that you think we're wrong. For the record, I hate this <laughs> and you're stupid, but fine. Ecuador, Senegal two, Ecuador three, Qatar four. Yes. Right in order of FIFA seating, just like oh, we God. planned That's it. That's bravery. All right, moving on to Group B. Ecuador Stadium is at 9,000 feet elevation, by the way. Yeah, they play they different. Very distinct home field advantage. Just wanted to <laughs> toss that. The- they just can't handle it. No one else can handle it, dude. Exactly. Right. That's, the, that's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> that is the solution, okay? They're going to raise Qatar to 9,000 feet. Somehow. Might as well. Blow it sky high. <laughs> We're moving on. Group B, who's got England? I have three of these teams. <laughs> okay. Um, I can start with England. Let's. Why don't we do the England? We'll see how you feel. And Blair can either take the number two or three. All right. Uh, We're going to start with England. My title headline for this game, England, the originators, in quotes, of the beautiful game make the game boring. Manager (laughs) Gareth Southgate. Jeez. Do you want to say anything? I've said everything I need to say. (laughs) I have my reasoning. I'll get there. Uh, Gareth Southgate Southgate is an English professional football manager. Obviously, he played as the defender and midfielder. He was born in Watford, um, interestingly enough. They are FIFA ranking of five is what I have, but that totally could be wrong if anybody wants to correct me real quick. I think it's four. Four? Cool. I'm just... No, I thought that was France. I was just... I was just messing with you. Okay. Um, they, in their group, they have the United States of America, Iran, and Wales. Uh, this team, their play style uh, is commonly, or what I found, referred to as sufferball, which is just awful. Uh, what a wonderful to, way to describe this beautiful game you have created. Uh, Southgate likes to use a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 in games where they're expected to dominate, and a 3-4-3 and 3-5-2 in games against equal opposition. Play a lot of safe balls, a lot of passing around the back. Seems like Southgate likes to hold possession, keeping control of the pace of the game, bringing teams to play slower, breaking up play, and then they work the ball up from there. Very different from a lot of like French, France uh, approach, which is just like attack uh, quickly. It's very build-up play-esque. Jersey rating, home jerseys, pretty bland. Cool colors on the sleeves, but very similar to the United States. They're away jerseys. <laughs> okay, I wrote this when I was feeling something uh, spicy, apparently. Their away jerseys look like a bunch of English blokes who put on their polos and went to the Posh University pub to watch their team play. Each of them will wear a one-love armband on their shirt, which is pretty cool. The red jerseys? Is that what you're talking about? The away ones? Yeah, the ones with the collar. Yeah, I kind of like those ones. I fucking hate them. <laughs> I think the red is a nice color. <laughs> I think... Phil Foden's going to pop his collar and he's going to just look so douchey. Well, I mean, his face doesn't help that. Well, opinion, Jacob? I'm giving these a five out of ten. Um, I like the blue ones and I like the red ones too. 
Okay. So I like the contrast. Great. Uh, narrative rating. They've got, sorry, they've got a cool, um, they've got like a cool symbol. The, the three lines. I think that's like, I, I do think yeah. that's cool. Have you ever yeah. seen it photoshopped where it's three Detroit lines instead? Um, I think I no, have. but I've seen like the old fashioned Detroit lion. It's like three, they, it's like the three lines, but they just put the Detroit lion logo there instead. Cause oh. they're comically bad. It's fun. I have a fun time with that. <laughs> Uh, my narrative rating for this club, uh, in quotes, it's coming home is old and tired and they play uninspired soccer and not what lovers of the sport <laughs> sign up for. So get a better narrative. Jeez. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> any, uh, any nuance there or just a sledgehammer to the gut? Big issue for the amount of amazing players and young players with talent and just the amount of sheer cool guys that they have on this team. They haven't been able to quote unquote bring it home. Uh, and they just kind of shit the bed at the last minute. So players to watch out for. I've got three and what's we all, we all know English players. So what's the big one? Uh, I mean, Harry Kane, golden boy, Ben White, interesting choice, and James Madison, of course. I feel pretty confident that Ben White will not play very much. James Madison and Ben White are going to be fringe players. Can I tell you why I've chosen these players? Are you just going to judge me for the players (laughs) I've picked? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) I mean, you're judging England pretty hard, so I guess we can judge you pretty hard, right? I'm judging England because they have amazing players and they they play boring (laughs) soccer. They're playing Harry Maguire. Yeah. He's going to (laughs) start. Okay. Harry Kane is England's golden boy, always has been since entering the season, probably always will be. He can do it all. The progression in the midfield, the creative passing, and of course, his finishing. Uh, At Tottenham, there's rarely a game where he doesn't at least put one away. Ben White, I think, is the backup that England needed to get uh, because Maguire has had his issues. We all know this. He's been up and down, and right now, stock isn't great, but that also doesn't mean he's a bad player. For God's sake, he came from Leicester. Ben White is good at link and play, recoveries, carrying, and dribbling. All things McGuire was touted to be the best at when he was sold for $80 million. James Madison, for obvious reasons here, finally coming into this season with some oomph. He has been lighting up the sheet for Leicester, but also he's been doing this for fucking years. Why now? Why bring him into the team now? Why not years ago when we won the league or when he was scoring uh, for 17 games in a row? Why now? He's top classic, creating shot at, uh, shot creating actions. He's been constantly performing for Leicester for a long time. It'll be interesting to see if Southgate, given the chance, uh, what he can do. Uh, and I have them out in the round of 16. You have them out in the round of 16. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Who will they play in the round of 16 um, uh, is the question. Well, yeah. Senegal, I guess, if they finish finish second. No, it's uh, Ecuador, I think. But Yeah, I get your point. Yeah. So Ecuador is moving on. No, because no, England's finishing second. So, um, in two, which case, they play the Netherlands. In which case, yeah, they play the Netherlands. That seems I know what I'm, like uh, a stretch. I, I know what still. I'm about. You think the Netherlands would beat England? Well, I also have the Netherlands out in the round of 16. Well, so they can't I'm both lose. <laughs> fucked my own. <clears throat> okay. Uh, Questions? Um, y- can you um, give us wh- wh- um, you, what you think England's most important midfield player will be? I would love to. Um, I think it's, it's going to be an, a pairing of what I don't know because I don't think Mason Mount has, oh, I'm going to get murdered for this one. Um, 
been performing to Southgate's standards? Maybe Jordan Henderson and Declan Rice? That would be weird, but... I, I, I don't watch a lot of England play for reasons of being bored to tears. Southgate will pick as many defensive midfielders as he can, but I think he's probably going to pick Rice and Bellingham. I think... You might guess. You think Bellingham's going to start? Yeah, I think so. I think Bellingham might come on as a sub in the first game and then ease into starting position. I genuinely think he'll start Mason Mount. Mason Mount Rice? Southgate likes Mason Mount a lot. Um, and come on, Mount with Kane. That's a great combo, in my opinion. Okay. I think you could say that about basically any other player in this English, England squad and Kane, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably pretty safe. Yeah. Yeah, but Mount Mount also has that dual threat in him. So, like, Kane and him can just switch off like that. Like, you can't see that with Declan Rice or Jude Bellingham, really. Well, yeah, I mean, Declan Rice's whole thing is to be the holding midfielder. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's not going to, like, score. Exactly. But Bellingham definitely has that in him. He's not, but he doesn't have, he doesn't, like, it, it, in terms of attacking threat, it's not there for Jude like it is for Mason. I mean, maybe not yet for Jude because he's, like, much younger, but. I think I, Bellingham's attacking form right now is probably better than Mason Mounts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, uh, yeah, I think, I think Bellingham might, st- he might start. I don't think he'll start the first game. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Um, um, I'm just, I'm also sort of basing that off of just like recent squad selection. So like Mount and uh, or Rice and Bellingham were the <laughs> the two that he picked against Germany in the Nations League. Yeah. So I mean, things could change. But All right. All right, Maddie. Let's hear it for the USA. All right. USA. This one's going to be an extra special one. Okay. This is the. I big wrote one. him a little poem. This is. Oh, let's hear it. Pulisic, Reina, McKinney. We hope we make it to the semi. <laughs> That's a good one. Thank Quick, you. Easy. Manager Greg Berhalter. 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 Yeah. Ranking sixteenth. I, I don't know what USA's ranking is. Oh, uh, that's an excellent question. What, what? Let's consult the official document, which is ESPN.com. <laughs> ESPN tells me that we are ranked sixteenth. Okay, cool. Uh, Also in our group around Wales and England, as I've said previous, uh, our style, the narrative of the USA is a second half team. And I really, really, really hope that this is demolished in the World Cup. I have my feeling, I I have made my feelings known about second half teams last week, uh, but unfortunately it's been tied to our play style for a while. Uh, If the whole system is working as it should, uh, this is our play style. Berhalter plays positional play, which basically means the players play in their zones, creating balances, triangles, spacing, making the other teams work harder if this works, i.e. Seaman City. But it doesn't always work. Watch the Canada game if you want to see it fall apart. Jersey rating, 1 out of 10. Everyone knows it. One, yeah. We have so many cool artists in this country. Do something better. I hate them. Yeah. I still hate them. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're one of the worst in the tournament. Uh, Narrative rating. Uh, Everyone hates the United States. Uh, Not because we've dominated in the game, but because we're the United States. Uh, we probably have a bad nar- narrative, but it's because we're so good. Damn it! I, I it's I because they're scared of us. Right? They hate us because they ain't us. Uh huh. Um, and uh, around the back passes, I hope I see some of those. Ooh, yeah. how many do you think we get in the tournament? Seven. Okay. Yeah. Seven. Enough to make a good like, good cut. You know. I want to see Greg get a red card. Oh. 
Mm. You think he works up that kind of emotion? No, okay. but I want him to be there. You, oh, know? you want, I want him to show see it. Greg angry. Okay. Maybe I'll, the U.S. Soccer Federation will give him a red card. Mm. That'll last forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big issues for this team, I wrote. LOL, what aren't the issues? Injuries to start, we are glass-wrapped in deflated plastic bubble wrap. We break easily on the pitch and on the bodies. Uh, I think second-half narrative is also a big issue. Expecting to see your team suddenly perform in the second half and players expected to suddenly perform in the second half and then they don't is pretty heartbreaking for all parties involved. And there's Berhalter. There's a lot of questions and hate around him. I will admit I was part of that party, especially after the team was announced, but... I have resigned to the fact that he is our man and we have to support our boys. So I'm here, Greg, prove me wrong. Players to watch. Uh, I have three, Aronson, Polisic, and McKinney. We have, we're an incredibly young team. Lots of 20 somethings running our pitch, which is really good for the future of the team. And the fact that we're automatically in the following World Cup, there's a glimmer of hope for the United States boys. But let's look at this World Cup to start. Aronson has been pretty electric for Leeds under Marsh this season so far. Him and Adams are the main playmakers, creative passers, readers of the room. Um, they have had some fun upsets, heartbreaking losses, some crazy comebacks for a wild ride of a season so far. His work rate, top notch. He runs more than any other player in the league. I'm pretty sure that's an actual stat. He runs more than Leeds, and Leeds runs more than any other team. Um, he stirs up shit. He gets in their heads, their space. He's uh, in their heads. And then he cools down. He keeps playing the game. And other players just hate him, which is fantastic for us. Um, McKinney is our guy. He is captain. Oh, captain. My captain. He keeps everything uh, from getting more chaotic he keeps the ball moving in the right direction you can really tell when he is injured or off the pitch because there is like a loss of direction um he is very cool-headed he breaks up fights he talks to the referees really well um he can score from set pieces he's just a really good athlete if uh mckinney is the heart of the team polisic is the soul polisic this poor soul has had the weight of the team on his shoulders for years after coming up as the next huge star, the one guy that will bring us our fame and fortune. And he has really been struggling, I think, a lot with this narrative for himself and at Chelsea. Uh, but hopefully, with the long time spent with the team, his friends, his boys, there can be a little bit of that spark we used to see. Uh, he's been very open with his struggles over the years uh, with depression, and uh, it would be nice to see that fire back. My prediction for this team is winning it. That's right. Winning it all. That's right. That's all. That's right. Winning we, it all. we all agree. All of us. All of us here. I got a question. Okay. Uh, what's your opinion on uh, Haji Wright? Mm. It's kind of a curious, uh, curious call for those who aren't paying close attention. Mm. So what? What's the? What was the strategy behind it? I, I think Greg is looking at players that are you know doing well within their leagues. Um, and Haji Wright is, he's in good form. It's interesting. And in my head, it's, it kind of seems like he, we don't have a specific number nine. Also kind of one of our big issues. Forgot to write that one down. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a big issue. It's the, yeah, it's the biggest issue. We don't have a specific number nine. We have four or five players that, 
could be number nines. They just don't have it all wrapped up into one player, um, like a Robert Lewandowski or a Sadio Mane or these players that can score. We don't have... That would be wild if we had Robert Lewandowski on the U.S. team. <laughs> we don't have that prowess uh, yet. So I think Greg said, give me all of the options. Give me every number nine that could potentially work and I'll take them with me um, and screw Pepe. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, side note, Luca De La Torre uh, on the USMNT website, his photo, he looks like he just got, uh, he just filed for a divorce and then lost a bar fight <laughs> within like 15 minutes. Ugh. Guy looks like he just really had a rough day <laughs> on, on picture day. Um, our number nines that we're taking are Haji Wright, uh, Josh Sargent, and Jesus Ferreira, mm-hmm. um, as far as I see. Yeah. Josh Sargent uh, finding the form again with Norwich. Yeah. So, like, do we still have a number nine controversy? Like, who's gonna, who's going to start? It's probably going to be Ferreira, it's, right? It's going to be, yeah. It's got to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Ferreira. Hopefully he ascends. No. Um, yeah, I, I like how you referred to uh, Aronson as our man. McKenny as our guy, and I wanted you to say Polistic is the dude. Mm. <laughs> He's just the dude a dude. <clears throat> They're just a bunch of kids. Okay, um, that's cool. Moving on though, we have to move yes, on. From the Sharon Long, does he start? No. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, does Greg start him? Maybe. <laughs> Should he start? Tim Maybe. Ream didn't show up in the octagonal once. Is he starting? Grandpa Tim didn't come all the way over here from England to not start, guys. Is, I, I think he, I don't know. I mean, why, why would you call him up if you're not going to play him? I Grandpa have so Tim, many questions. tell us about the time you were <laughs> in the previous World Cup. <laughs> yeah, all right. Awesome. Blair. Iran. Iran. Iran in Group B. Their FIFA ranking is 20. Let's hear it for Iran. Hip, hip. Hooray. Hooray. I believe that makes them the highest ranked Asian team um, in, of the FIFA rankings. Right. Um, so they've got that going for them. Their manager is Carlos Quedos. He's a Portuguese fellow. Mm-hmm. He's managed a few club teams and also a few international teams, including Portugal, the United Arab Emirates, South Africa, Colombia, Egypt, and Iran. I believe he's had two stints with Iran, if I'm not, not mistaken. Um, his club career has managed Sporting, Real Madrid. Sporting. Interestingly, he uh, was in charge when Zinedine Zidane was a player there uh, in the early 2000s. And he also, most importantly, most importantly, managed the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. Yeet, yeet. Which is Metro. dope, in my opinion. Of course, they find themselves in Group B against England, who are ranked 5th, USA, who are ranked 16th, and Wales, who are ranked 19th, according to my facts and figures. Now, what do they do? They play a 4-3-3. They're very compact in defense. They like to keep their shape. And they have some pretty talented attacking threats in their front line. Um, Their big issue, though, is that their defensive-minded approach can lead them to being rather complacent at times, which can lead to them shipping goals and also lacking attacking threat and creation uh, going forward. Sometimes they get into their, they burrow into their hole and they do not come out. Players to watch, Mehdi Taremi, who is a forward for Porto and is balling. He had a fantastic season for them last year, scored a bunch of goals, got a bunch of assists, and he'll be doing a lot of their goal scoring and chance creation in this World Cup. Um, he's got pretty solid passing. Uh, he can do a dribble every now and then. 
Um, and yeah, just got a genuine, genuine uh, nose for goal. The other one I've got uh, written down here is Esan Hajsafi, uh, who's their left back and their captain. He plays for AEK Athens. Um, yes, like I said, he's a t- team captain and their defensive anchor. He does some of their uh, chance creation as well and uh, sometimes can be called upon to play in the midfield if needed. Iran find themselves in a very interesting situation at the moment. I am not a geopolitics expert, but I do know that when people in the tens of thousands are protesting the government for months on end, it doesn't genuinely uh, generally mean good things, and that is what's currently happening in Iran. They're embroiled in all sorts of political upheaval, um, And this is finding its way into their national team side. Apparently, there is some discontent amongst the players, some who are in support of the protests, others who are in support of the current regime. Um, And so this creates for a rather sticky situation. And I think the big question is, does this galvanize the group? Do they play for the people as a sort of uh, unifying symbol? Or does politics penetrate uh, the, the Iranian national team side and cause them to splinter? I think that will be something to watch. Another big miss for them is a forward Sardar Arzmoun. Um, he's out of the World Cup with injury. He strained his calf, I believe. He was a very important attacking threat for them um, in their forward line. Um, I kind of think this Iranian team can surprise him, folks. And I'm a bit worried about that because the USA finds themselves in their same group. I'm worried about it, dude. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I think if you're the USA, like Jacob said, don't worry about it because one of their primary goal scorers is not going to be showing up to the World Cup at all. I think that is lucky for us, but unlucky and unfortunate for Iran. So we'll see what they're able to do with what they bring to the table. Jersey rating, I don't love the jersey. It's pretty plain. It's pretty math. It's not awful. It's not great. I gave it a 6 out of 10. Okay, so that would be a B or a C. I don't like that. looks like a weird, like, old-style coke can it's got a very sort of 90s vibe to it yeah i don't like it yeah and i don't also the their logo their their federation's crest is just the iranian flag with a soccer ball below it which i think is pretty low effort (laughs) um and the iranian flag is generally pretty cool so i don't know why they didn't think this one through more i kind of like the little beams coming off in the yeah, I think it looks like something you'd see like reading rainbow. Yeah, or like you'd see it like on VHS. It'd be like coming soon to I kinda, VHS. I kind of like and it'd it. Be like Iranian national team soccer. I, I kind of <laughs> like that nostalgic feeling, though. You know, coming soon. Be mm, okay. Yeah, I think it looks bad. So. Welcome to the magic of Disney. Yeah. Oh wow, that was really nice. Thanks. Um. Yeah, I, I do have a question, Blair. Let's hear it. Um. Iran have a uh, clearly the best performing Asian side, um, and they have to contend with uh, two, I think, teams that probably, um, if you had to group them, are on their level in the U.S. and Wales. <clears throat> Do you see them taking a close second or more of a third place in this uh, overall group? Because I think... I think we all had the unfortunate draw of this being one of the most even-tempered groups. This is a very much a second place is up for grabs. Okay. And I think there are three teams who are all vying for it at this point, and that's yep. Wales, England, <clears throat> and Iran. Yeah. Speaking of Wales. Wales. Wales will bail to bail them out. 
Whales will bail to bail them. No, whales will. <laughs> they will him to. Oh, whale. Whales oh, will bail to bail them out. Manager Rob Page uh, in their group, obviously, the United States, Iran, and England style. Unfortunately, the history of this team is about individual play rather than a group talent. Uh, they do not play a heavy possession game. All attack is on the counter. And with the new chief, Keith Moore, uh, towering over most others, they have aerial talent to aim for now. They play a direct game. Gareth is at the centerpiece to the game, uh, to the team. They have fewer than average passes per sequence. They attack directly, no buildup, just exciting drives down the field. They have a lot of talented dribblers and runners. Um, just need to learn how to finish, which seems like it's a struggle for this team and group uh jersey rating i gave him a six out of ten and now i'm wondering if i was right oh okay i'm interested to hear this oh okay yeah yeah yeah. okay i actually really like their jersey also their crest is super dope so yeah but their away jersey is like i think s tier personally the white one or yeah no? um let me let me let me bring it up for it's you. got like the little collar design yeah yeah it's it's pretty sick yeah, because, like, the, the stripes on that bad boy. Oof. Wait. Oh. No, never mind. I, I think it's fine. I was thinking. I was looking at the retro one. I think the red one is cooler. Um, To be honest, I think uh, their crest is also pretty dope. Uh, narrative. All or nothing for Bale. It would be really cool to see them make it out of the groups with the United States. Uh, but if it comes down to get the heck out of here. Uh, big issue. I wrote, holy, holy holes. Their defense is porous and they don't play a possession game. So they're on their back foot quite a lot. So uh, not a great thing to um, have in your defense is holes. Players to watch. I've got three. Nico Williams is a fun and upcoming kid from Liverpool's Academy. Playing with the tricky trees right now. He is adept at dribbling, finding good balls in great positions, playing both the right and the left side. Klopp had many good things to say about the kid when he decided to sell to Forrest, but in the end, a really good decision for the young talent. He's got minutes, goals, and opportunities he wouldn't have on such a big team like Liverpool. He also fits the Welsh identity really, really well as a very direct player attacking as soon as he receives the ball. He, like Aronson, also has the dog in him. Um, he's got very explosive movements throughout the game, and he's a very fun player to watch. He really just seems to love the game. Kiefer Moore, the aerial threat, stands at an imposing 6-5 and plays for Burnmouth right now. He uh, doesn't have a bad foot either. He has scored nine national team goals, averaging one every nine, 197 minutes, which is technically more efficient than Bale. Bale, this boy. My favorite fact about him is he won a trophy every year since leaving Tottenham, except for the year he was loaned back to Tottenham, just coming off his season to keep him in shape for the World Cup and winning another trophy for the MLS, of course, keeping his streak alive. This was his chance, this is his chance, for a World Cup victory. He uh, also, he, he's had a sea of troubles with his club teams, um, but it's always his national team that brings him back for the love of the game. The Welsh team is an extremely close-knit group. Um, I also learned that he has been with his wife since high school, which is pretty adorable. Uh, a lot of this team and their success rides on his shoulders. He is the main story for the team. He is the one carrying the mantle. And I'm sorry, I do have them out in groups. He's the dragon. Ah. Any questions for whales? Yeah, does a dragon sound like that? Rah. Do we think dragons had feathers like the dinosaurs did? Uh, no, scales. How many players from Wrexham AFC are on the Welsh national team? Seven. <laughs> 
26. How many of them start? 26. Wow. They're, that's how they're going to win. They're going to field 26 players. Okay. Um, I, I, I have a, I, okay. Now that we've finished group B, let's, let's get a, a universal group placement here. All First right. place. You will say, that was a dumb question. Uh, second place, Iran, Wales, oh, England. Mm. <laughs> it's got to be England, right? It's yeah, got to be. It's got to be. I mean, if we're being the country just here. left of England, I think, right? Just west, just a little bit. You think Gareth can do it? You yeah, Bale can bail them out. Oh, I think meant Southgate. I think he meant. I think he meant Gareth Bale. I think he meant Gareth Bale. I don't think Gareth Southgate has ever won an MLS Cup. He never will. Yeah, he's not good enough. He doesn't have no, that. He's not going to happen. Yeah, I know he's not. He's, he just sucks. I know. All right, so we've got USA <laughs> at All right. the top. I say Wales. What do you guys say? You say Wales second? Yeah. Are we being serious here? I can't tell anymore. <laughs> oh, England's, I, they can't get out in groups. Why not? Why not? Something incredible has to happen hey. this World Cup. Something one team has to critically fail. And why won't it be England? Because it'll be Spain. Yeah. But Spain don't really have the expectation on them, you know? Mm. What about Argentina? Portugal. There are 14. Mm, okay. There's something. Mm. <laughs> That'd be fun. Okay. So you guys, so are you guys saying England will come in second? Yeah. I mean, probably they'll come in first, right. but we're <laughs> not saying that. <laughs> I will seed second. Fine. Then Wales third. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Iran fourth. Yeah. A group C. <laughs> group C. <clears throat> I will. I shall go first. Group C. We start off hot with Argentina, I, I, aka Leo's last dance, and I've created a beautiful picture uh, for this occasion. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> wow. This features a coked-out Maradona at the 2018 World Cup in Russia, <laughs> looking to the heavens as Lionel Messi puts forth a goal to get. Argentina past the group stages into the knockouts. Now, Argentina's manager is Lionel Scalini. Coincidence? Probably. Relatively new to the scene as of 2018, he's got 49 games in charge and was a player as recently as 2015. He took over after their uh, 2018 uh, World Cup exit. Their FIFA ranking currently is three, a hot three, and they have to face in their group Saudi Arabia, FIFA ranking 51, Poland, FIFA ranking 26, and Mexico, FIFA ranking 13. Argentina played a 4-3-3 for bigger games and in a 4-2-3-1 in a game that they will probably win. Defensively, they don't press. They sit and wait for the moment to target a passage of play. In possession, they are slow and methodical, preferring the gradual build-up to the goal rather than taking it at a fast pace. In this instance, Argentina, if you have to nail them down to a certain phrase, it's a team that is greater than the sum of its parts, even considering Lionel Messi. Their jersey rating. I gave it a C. They're playing it safe. The away jersey kind of looks like a Guy Fieri shirt. So glad you pronounced it right. Um. Now, the thing about uh, Argentina is that uh, when when Leo is down and out, when Lionel Messi is down and out, he can sometimes get in his own head. We've seen this in the Copa America. We've seen this 
uh, at Barcelona. And we've also seen this is in the 2018 world cup. Uh, and when Leo goes down, it is not, it's, it's tough to stay up as a team when the best player in existence is not performing well. And so this, uh, entire Argentina's entire, uh, tournament will depend on how well not only that Lionel Messi performs under pressure, but whether or not he is the uh, people that he puts these balls on a platter for will convert um, a la Gonzalo Higuain in the 2014 World Cup. Uh, we don't want to talk about it. So overall, uh, this is Messi's tournament. If there's one player that we talk about this World Cup as a singular uh, as, as, as a singular force, it's Lionel Messi. Historically, the shoulder bearer for Argentina, There's the man time. at the front, dragging them through competition after competition, enduring a loss in the final in 2014 and a knockout loss to eventual champions France in 2018, he has finally arrived at an Argentina side that reflects some balance in its talent. They are 35 games unbeaten. They have played for three years and not lost a single game. We are, we are featuring Emmy Martinez, who plays much better for Argentina than he does for club side Aston Villa. <laughs> we have Christian Romero, a defender that gives Lionel Messi a break and that has enough ball-playing capability to serve as a ball-playing defender. Lissandro Martinez, newcomer to the scene, plays for Man United. Nicolas Adamendi, veteran, now playing for Benfica. We have a much more athletic, much uh, in-prime player, Rodrigo de Paul. I mean, excuse me, midfielder, who plays for Atletico Madrid. And obviously, uh, we have Leandro Paredes for Juventus. And then a big, the, the big players alongside him, uh, Angel Di Maria, Paulo Dybala, and uh, Latoro Martinez. Latoro Martinez being probably the, the, big, the big front man that Argentina will employ this tournament. Um, Players to watch, Lionel motherfucking Messi. You cannot talk about this Argentina side without him, okay? Uh, he has the most caps uh, for Argentina, 164. He has the most goals for Argentina, 90. Um, and let's see, my prediction this year for Argentina is that this is, of any Argentina side thus far, from uh, 20, 2010 to 2022 now, is that this is their best chance to win the World Cup is this year. Uh, Belgium, uh, number uh, number two, I want to say, is historically overrated by FIFA. Brazil, number one, doesn't bring the midfield that they need for, uh, for this year, and they are overloaded with forwards, a problem I will get into later in the podcast. France's midfield is newly minted after injuries to Conte and Pogba. The, and then England, obviously, always have the bogeyman of ha not having won it for so long. This is Argentina's year. It's now or never for Lionel Messi. And La Ablachilaste. I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> the blue and whites. Any questions? Uh, you didn't mention Papu Gomez, the god. I don't, I, that's just disrespect. Um, oh, I thought I did. I, I definitely I did. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. No, a pretty interesting squad. Apparently, Christian Romero has just been like faking an injury for the last few weeks. So I respect didn't have to play for Tottenham, <laughs> um, which is funny to me. Do you think Conte respects that, though? I'm sure he does. I'm sure he loves it. Um, I, I really don't have... Uh, I don't really have any questions, Jacob. This is a good yeah. side. I think yeah. they'll do they'll do great things, and they'll go far. I expect them to win the group, and I expect them to, at the very uh, worst, go out in the semifinal. Okay. All right. 
Yep, stake your your life and your career on this. I'll stake my career. Yes, and your life. Nope. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Let's do about twenty five minutes on Saudi Arabia. Um, Saudi Arabia find themselves in Group C alongside Poland, Argentina, and Mexico. Like we've said, they're currently ranked fifty first in the world. Is that right? No, it doesn't feel right. No, no, that that might be right. Um, let me double check that. Didn't we say Qatar was ranked 51st? Or we no, Qatar is 50th. I have, I have them at 47th. Okay. ESPN has them at 51st. This article might be old. Don't know. I'm reading articles from ESPN, folks, so you don't have to. Um, anyway, they're somewhere down, way down in the dregs of society. Uh, the FIFA ranking is poor. Let's, let's put it that way. Their manager is Erv Renard. They play a balanced approach to the game. They have a 4-5-1 formation that they'll employ, and they'll really pick and choose their chances when to go forward. Um, their big issue in my book is that they have not played anybody uh, of, of substance. Their squad is completely homegrown. They don't have much European experience within it, and quite frankly, uh, that is the top echelon of the game at the moment, and so I think if you want to go places... In an international competition, you probably need some of that elite experience in your squad. I don't want to be an elitist about things, but this is a rather green team. Um, so I think they'll struggle because of it. Um, they come from a handful of uh, Saudi Arabian sides. And really the toughest competition they played is just a few friendlies um, before the World Cup. Their qualifi qualification matches were not necessarily the most difficult. Um, they have a team history of shipping goals, um, and they really just need to be locked in defensively if they want to get anything out of their group matches. Players to watch are Salem al Dawarsi, I'm sorry, Dasari, and Saleh al al Shehri. I want to say. They're the goal-scoring threats, um, and I think those will be the two guys that they will rely on to carry them if they want to get out of this group. My rating for their jersey is actually pretty good. I like the green. There's an interesting pattern to it. I think it looks pretty sleek. I think the white also looks pretty good. And they have a cool badge. I gave them a 7 out of 10. My prediction for the Saudi Arabian squad, let's cut, squad is let's cut to the chase. They are going to get their asses kicked. That is my prediction for them. I really like their home jerseys. Yeah, they're pretty slick. Those are super cool. Yes, yes. <clears throat> cool. Um, I have no questions because uh, I don't think they'll make it out. Yeah. No. No? I'd be surprised if they get a point, but yikes, that's just me. All right. Jacob, Mexico. Okay. Let's take a little trip. Mexico. Let's go down. I've got Mexico and the hunt for the Quinto Partido. Wow. That was, that was nice. Their manager is Gerardo Tata Martino. We all know this. Uh, he has been doing the thing for a while. He is a veteran manager, been to many, many clubs. I won't list them all. It's a very long resume. Uh, he was also a former manager for Argentina. Um, his, uh, his team's FIFA ranking is 13, and he's going to be facing off uh, 51 Saudis, uh, 26 Poland, and 3 Argentina. Uh, the style in which we have Mexico play, we've all seen it. Uh, much more... Uh, offensively modern in that it's a 4-3-3 using inverted wingers up front and accompanied by overlapping fullbacks. Very, uh, very modern, very cool and stylistic. And 
I'll get into whether or not this works. Their jersey rating, as much as I hate to say it, ass. It's the best. 10 out of 10. They're the best. It's so cool. 10 out of 10. It's so cool. It's uh, it's really sucks because we're going to be playing them. Well, no, we, uh, no, we won't be playing them. That's good because I don't want to see the difference in jerseys on the field. Stark contrast. <sighs> okay. Uh, the tides shift within the fabled land of North America. Whoa. Once dominant, proud, and everlasting, the Empire of Eltree reigned with a vice grip over CONCACAF. But now, upstarts in the United States and rebels in the northern providence of Canada have seen Mexico's once unquestionable superiority shaken. The promising generation of the current crop hasn't panned out quite as much as fans thought they would, and all of this has culminated in Mexico getting run through by yours truly this year. And they will be back with something to prove. Argentina cannot be mentioned without talking about Brazil, and if a... Um, I put part of Argentina's thing in Mexico. Argentina cannot be talked without mentioning Brazil, and Mexico cannot be talked about without mentioning the United States. The United States have gotten the better of Mexico twice this past summer, and I think the Mexican team might have a bit of a chip on its shoulder because of this. However, they have issues to overcome if they are to get anywhere this World Cup. They are old and they are relying on a stagnating cast. They also can't score goals. They lost twice to the U.S. because of this. However, all of this pales in comparison to their knockout record. They are 0-4 on knockout games since 1994, and they have never won one outside of Mexico. This is bad times FC for the boys if they want to win the damn thing. Chucky Lozano will probably be our main scoring guy. He has the spotlight and will and 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 I think obviously uh, his performances for the team might have to shine bright if he's to even get a bigger spot on the Napoli side in which he is now playing third fiddle offensively. However, if we want to look at a young up sort of up and coming wonder kid, I would direct your viewing to Diego Lanez. He's a flashy attacker, and with the right environment, I could see this tournament earning him a big move somewhere else. He's struggling in Portugal right now, but I think this tournament could unleash him. Unleash him on the wild. Now, uh, it's you might ask, what is the Quinto Partido? And it is uh, the fifth game, the Curse of Mexico. They are trying to win a knockout round game. Something they haven't done in in modern memory this uh is a team that will have to nut up or shut up if they want to vindicate their 13th world rating and make it past their own 16 otherwise this will always be known as the squad that got soccered Oof. yikes i see uh, them going on the run of 16 it's called soccer now. All right, Mexico. All right, let's uh, let's get our final. Oh, we've got one more team, don't we? Yes. We've got Poland. The banker, cash in hand, looks to balance the books. First of all, Wait, so this line I'm super proud of. Robert Lewandowski believes in fiscal <laughs> responsibility. 
the, the, he pays his taxes. Okay, the, but the budget who else is on the team? Zero. Who else is on the team? Matt Cash. Yes. Matty freaking Cash, And dude. how many goals has Robert Lewandowski scored also, in the World Cup? why wouldn't a name like Matty Cash evoke a banker? Because his face doesn't evoke a banker. Like, when, if you're trying to balance the checkbook, wouldn't Matty Cash be the guy you want in that Okay, setting? it's a metaphorical balancing of the books. Oh, also, Ma- was Shaq Chesney? Do they have Kruchowiak still? Manager. <laughs> and I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Cheslaw Mishenowicz. You're doing great. I'm going to go with that's right. FIFA ranking 26, maybe. Style, they have a very front-loaded team. Lewandowski, all, uh, obviously, it leads the charge in scoring and attack, meaning they don't have to play a heavy possession-based game. Their best attacks come from the midfield, counter-pressing and crossing. They score the most goals from crosses of any European side in qualifying. A lot of the chances come from the right wing, Mateus Klinch. Klitsch? Klitsch. Klitsch. Dropping just dimes right in the box for anyone to clean up. Jersey rating, 6 out of 10. Pretty basic, cool sleeves. Their logo is just cool as well. Um, the screaming chicken. Yes. <laughs> Narrative, Poland have had a lo- uh, haven't had a lot of success in recent years. Uh, and this is Lewandowski. Oh, why did I write that? Lewandowski has never scored in a World Cup. He's 34 years old. He has never scored in the World Cup. Um, and it's the, probably his last chance to do that. He has the third most goals in Europe. And this World Cup is his Mount Everest. Pretty good narrative, 7 out of 10. Big issue, playing a non-possession-based game. They struggle with controlling the pace and the play of the game, especially any momentum gained. Often, they sit in shape and wait for the press to come at them, forcing them to play the balls wide. Doesn't really work most of the time. They haven't kept a lot of clean sheets under this new manager with this tactic, but good thing they have one of the best of all time strikers out there fighting with them. Players to watch, obviously. Lewandowski. Lewandowski is the captain leading the charge of this team. He is Mr. Poland. If they had that kind of competition, he would win it. Uh, he is able to finish with pretty much whatever he's given, right foot, left foot, head, ass, I'm sure if he tried. Right foot, One touch, <laughs> dribbling. Foot, he probably tripped a goalie. He has the full gambit of finishing quality, which is why it's so shocking he has never once scored in a World Cup. He's 34 years old, really hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. Literally, he's just as fast as he was the year before. He scored 344 goals in 375 games for Bayern. He is kind of just always in the right place, the right time to put it away. He doesn't do the Holland thing where he, you know, scores obscene goals from weird angles. He just finishes. Um, I think I wrote, he constantly performs. He shows up to his nine to five, gets a good performance review year in, year out. Peter Zielinski plays for Napoli, top of Serie A, Napoli. He is the rock of the midfield for Napoli, making spectacular passes, scoring cool goals, progressing the ball in creative ways. The play goes through him, does not pass go, does not collect $200. He probably does. Similar players to his style have been said to be Julian Brandt, James Madison, and Philip Coutinho. He played in the 2018 World Cup as well, bringing some experience with him, but also four more years of playing some top quality soccer. He's really come into his own in the past couple of years. Pairing with him, uh, Lewandowski up front, this pairing is sure to see Lewandowski bag his first World Cup goal. Of course, to pair with the banker is cash money as it should be. Matty Cash has had a rough start to his Astonville season this year. I am <laughs> I am curious to see if this change of pace after getting a new club manager will spark something in him. For being right back, he finds the back of the net quite a bit. Um, he just came back from a hand injury, but uh, Unai Emery has... 
bolstered his position within the team um, during press conferences and hopefully a good sign for this future. And I think this could be really good for Matty Cash if they perform well and he kind of, I don't know, finds his footing again. Um, and I have them, man, I wrote a lot uh, for out in the round of 16. <laughs> All right. I love how you're rating the narratives. You're giving like a score for the narrative out of 10. I'm pretty sure that's what you told me to do in the beginning of uh, us talking about this. So that's what I went for. And then you're like, just talk about the narrative. So I have them all rated. Okay. I recognize like four last names in this Poland squad from my hometown. <laughs> there are definitely distant relatives of these players that lived in Alpina for sure. Okay, so, uh, gang, did you write the jersey? Yeah, yeah, I gave them a 6 out of 10. Their, okay. their sleeves are pretty cool, but they're all right. So what do you think about this uh, Group C here? Group C. I think Argentina finishes first. Second. I think Argentina finishes first. Second. And Poland finishes second. <sighs> oh. I think Mexico gets to fuck out of here. Okay, um, Argentina first. Yeah. And then... Uh, Poland finishing, not Mexico? No, Poland finishing second. Okay. They have the best striker in the world. Blair, thoughts? But didn't you just say he hasn't scored a single goal in the World Cup? He's only played in one other World Cup. But he didn't score? Nope. Okay. Yeah, I think Poland got zero points in that World Cup. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's to me, it's a toss-up between Mexico and Poland. I I was thinking it's toss between Mexico and Saudi Arabia. No, Saudi Arabia are gonna be awful in my opinion. Then let's go let's go Mexico. They're gonna lose in the round of sixteen again. It's their destiny. I think I'm gonna go Poland. Yeah. Okay, sure. Sorry, uh, Mexico. Argentina, Poland, Mexico, Saudi Arabia. Yep. That's how I feel about it. All right. We can put it up on the board. Group D. For D's nuts, let's go. France at the top. It's me again. Let's go. I'm losing it. France. Defending France. Oh. Yep. Defending uh, champions, France. Hope Paul Pogba's curse was just a farce. Manager, Didier Didier Deschamps. Didier. Didier. Deschamps. Fucking French. Didier Deschamps. There you go. FIFA ranking. I have four. I don't think that's right anymore. Um, in their group, Australia, Tunisia, and Denmark. Yeah. Style. Uh, their setup is a bit like Real Madrid's, according to the defector. Uh, they have a 4-3-1-2 setup, uh, attacking selectively and catching the back line off guard. Their front line is just crazy fast, and their midfield is strong between Mbappe's speed and Benzema's finishing. Uh, I don't think... Deschamps is too worried about the players uh, that couldn't make it to this World Cup. Jersey rating, subtle details in the white ones are pretty cool, better than I initially thought, but you had four years to come up with a better one. Premier League jerseys are better and they change it every year. Narrative, boo, sucks. Be sad if they won. Defending champions of the World Cup in Russia, I think there's better narratives. Big issue, I'm going to have to go with drama on this one. Uh, yes. <laughs> they are rife with lawsuits, charges, har harassment suits, uh, history of blackmail. Harassment. <laughs> blackmail between players, witchcraft, image rights issues, and the president of the French Football Federation having sexual assault charges brought against him. Jeez. All of this off the pitch, yes, but it is between players. Obviously, there's the injury challenge, which I think a lot of the teams are going to be facing, quite honestly. Players to watch, Mbappe, um, on, uh, obviously, this team, <laughs> Mbappe, 
Mbappe. <laughs> in trouble. This team is legitimately stacked, so that means they can't win, right? Mbappe is insanely fast, plays the wing on the left-hand side, which is not his usual Madrid spot because Neymar and Messi control the two sides. This uh, left side, Mbappe, will be looking to his winger tricks in his game to feed the balls and goals, uh, although I'm sure he'll be scoring just as much as his own, to players like Benzema. Kareem Benzema is one of the top, top players to play the sport. Like I said, this team is stacked. He hasn't been able to play with the French team for the last couple of years because some slight legal trouble where he kind of blackmailed another player with a phone sex tape. He was convicted, fined, and banned. Whoops. Last player to keep an eye on. I am not sure how much we'll see him on the pitch. As of late, he has been impeccable. Another youngster, uh, William Saliba. Ah, uh, yes, the boy. Uh, this, this team is also just really fucking young. Cue the music. Da, 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 Saliba. <laughs> I know you know we know all about him but to see him play with these stars learn a new system play with the likes of Benzema Mbappe Kimbepe uh Kimpembe Kanate will be a huge experience for this up-and-coming youngster keep your eyes peeled for great defensive work but also a force to be reckoned with on the attack my prediction for this team is semifinals uh, who is their greatest opponent, Maddie? Is it Denmark or is it themselves? <laughs> Ooh, good question. I'm going to have to go with themselves. Now, we said that in the last World Cup, there was also some legal stuff happening off the field. Do you think that's actually just how they like to do things? They like the drama. They thrive on the drama and the wine. Do we do we overstate the drama because is this just normal for them? <laughs> it might be. I mean, like they had a a, a player blackmail another player. Yeah, is they that, had is that a just player normal? That's just French culture. Is that just what they do? <laughs> maybe, but like the 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 president of the FFF just had sexual assault charges brought against him. Yeah, now that's nothing to joke about, of course. Yeah. And like there uh Mbappe didn't want to be in the images for the French team because of image rights issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of big personalities and I don't know how well they're going to mesh. Excellent. Yeah. That's it's always like fun see. watching these French, French teams try to figure it out. It's, it's a blast. Okay. Moving on. All right. Australia. Australia. In a group where you're down under everyone else, <laughs> jump over them. Oh, Kangaroo style. Their manager is Graham Arnold. Award for the most Civil War general sounding name out there. <laughs> Their FIFA ranking is 38. They are going up against France, 4, Denmark, 10, and Tunisia, 30. Oof. Here we go. Their style is most probably going to be a 4-1-4-1 going forward. And they like to push their fullbacks up and leave their... Uh, their star man, their central defensive midfielder, Aaron Moy, to direct play. Jersey rating, good logo, mid colors, I give it a C. I'm just, I'm not going to say anything about their narrative because this will tell you all you need to know. Uh, cue the sound system. Hey, what was that? Went forward in time to view alternate futures, to see all the possible outcomes of the coming conflict. How many did you see? 14 million, 605. How many did we win? One. Because they're not going to do it. Holy cow. They have a lot of issues. They have so many issues. Um, so uh, 
Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, they had to go. They had a really, really, really bad go during qualifiers, and they have possibly a worse team than they did in 2018. Uh, they are also stuck in a group with Denmark and France. Yeah, they're fucked. They have to punch way, way, way up. Uh, this will be a true test to get out of the group. And they also don't have a clear number nine for the team. Mm. Sound familiar? Mm. Uh, mm. No. <laughs> uh, however, there is a shining beacon of hope in this team. It's a kangaroo. And that man is Harry Sutar, who is their primary goal scoring threat as a center back. Do you know why? Oh, no. Because he stands at six foot seven. Oh, my God. He is a six foot seven center back, and he provides all the vertical threat on set pieces for the Socceroos you will ever need. In 10 caps for qualifying, he has six goals, all of them from set pieces. I invite you to look at this picture that I have on the dock. And it's, I'm going to try and zoom in here. Um, it's of uh, our our dear boy, Harry, and he is standing amongst teammates. Oh, wow. Just He's a large fellow. Head he, and shoulders. He is a He's big boy. So <laughs> tall. 6'7", as a center back. That's awesome. I looked up the tallest player at the World Cup, and it's the Serbian goalkeeper. And that guy's 6'8". Wow. I can't wait to get a Serbian man. <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, my prediction for Australia uh, is they are going to literally have to beat Tunisia, kick Denmark in the nuts, and kangaroo jump over France if they're to get out of their group. Uh, that This is to say I think Australia got very unlucky this year, and their destiny is to fight their fate in the groups. I don't see an exit here for them. Okay. That's your that's, – that's Australia? That's Australia. Any questions for the, the ruse? The ruse of the roost? No, let's keep this moving. All right. Uh, next is Denmark. Uh, the Danes and Ericsson's second chance at life and victory. Can we get a hua from the Northmen in there somewhere? Hua! <coughs> Manager Casper Hummond. Sure. Uh, FIFA ranking, I have him at 10. Yep. We've all been looking at different articles. Nope, it's all the same. Okay. Style, solid back line, creative midfield, feeds front line. They are a very close-knit group of guys, shared trauma, and a sturdy team all around. Their attack is, uh, oh, sorry, I wrote weak instead of weak. Their attack is their one weak point, but if they defend like they'd previously uh, have been, then scoring one or two a game should be fine. Jersey reigning, 9 out of 10. I love it. Uh, it's also very controversial. They have been, I think, kind of banned from wearing them. Um, the Danish sports brand Hummel is their sponsor and the longtime supplier of their kits. They revealed three monochromatic designs in red, white, and black. Their typical design elements of pro soccer jerseys, such as logos or stripes, or the Danes' signature chevron pattern have been uh, sublimated to be very barely visible. We do not wish to be visible during a tournament that has thought cost thousands of people their lives was Hummel's statement. Good narrative. Idea. Narrative. Uh, rating. So high. So high. With the loss in the Euros and losing their favorite, favorite boy, this is kind of a comeback story for the Denmark uh, team. I think they have a very great narrative to fight for and to root for. And uh, I think people just kind of like the Denmark team for being them. The Denmark team, as everyone calls them. All the fans call them the Denmark team. 
Who do you support? All the fans. I support the Denmark <laughs> the team. The Denmark team, that one. Hey, guys, every single time I try and talk, you <laughs> laugh at me. So I support the USA team. <laughs> well, those USA boys are back. <laughs> Big issue, this podcast. Yeah. <sighs> Big issue, the front line, not too many scores up there. And France, France has a score to settle, so... It's, it's going to be a little bit uh, treacherous territory. Players to watch, I feel like you know who I'm going to say here. Ericsson, uh, he ranks among the what? best midfielders in Europe at in all important playmaking categories, including assists per game, shot-creating actions, progressive passes, and even shots. Uh, that's for his club. For Denmark, his importance is even higher as he ranks fifth all-time for goals at the national team and the highest of ac- any active player. He dances with everyone else's strings. He pulls them he has these passes that pick players out he couldn't even see before he the ball left his feet he doesn't score often except for today apparently for manchester united but he's always involved in the plays leading up to the goals he is their guy he works the midfield he works the defense into the forwards it's it's beautiful sight Mikkel Damsgaard, playing with the Bees, had a great breakout season and since cooled off a bit. Young kid, 22 years old. I have a feeling being reunited with Ericsson, the play style is right for him. The way that they all played together with the Bees was kind of magical, and I think we could all feel it. Uh, Brentford skyrocketed in game performance last season for these six months Ericsson was there, and Damsgaard was aboard that rocket. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bees coach was hopeful for a resurgence of talent. From this young star after playing with the big kids for a bit of time. Last guy, Pierre Emile Hoybjerg. Now, as much as I hate Tottenham, Ooh. he's a Dane. Did you know his dad died of stomach cancer eight years ago? And the only way young Pierre could pay for his treatments was to join Bayern Munich. <sighs> Jeez. Terrible options, honestly, all around. He takes his national team duty very seriously. He loves his home country and his men that he plays with. He shows that for the uh, with the passion for the game and just a whole lot of emotions, and I like that in a man. He is the counterman to Eric's slow, Erickson's slow and methodical string pulling. He attacks and defends with intensity, and the pairing of these two reunited will be something to marvel at. Uh, I have them in the final game. You have them in the final yeah. Okay. Maddie, I got a quick question. Uh, if you had to give uh, Christian Eriksen a midfield rate, like ranking in Europe, where would you put him? Like number one midfielder in Europe, number 20 midfielder in Europe? Um, uh, top 10 for sure. Top 10? Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, where would you put him? Definitely. I think he's, I think he's probably outside the top 10. I think hmm. you could probably name 10 midfielders better than Christian Eriksen. Do it right now. Okay. No, let's not take the time to do nope, this. You want this? I don't. We are at one forty-five for the first right. four groups. Uh, well, uh, that's uh, that's a hot take if I've ever heard one for Denmark uh, finishing the final. I mean, you know, outside of the the, the reasons of this podcast, I feel like I was uh, listening to some uh, fan fiction there for a second. Um, for the record, I think that would be very cool if that ended up happening. If it was a USA Denmark final, that'd be crazy. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I would have a lot of emotions. All right, Tunisia. Tunisia, uh, a.k.a. take on me defensively. Uh, their manager is Jalal Kadri, and he manages the 30th-ranked team, according to FIFA, and this will be against France, Denmark, and Australia. Obviously, their style will be one of defense, marshalling defense. This will be a team that holds up against literally everyone else. Doesn't matter who. Uh, their jersey rating, I'm a simple yet elegant, B. Oh, oh. Uh, 
Coming off the back of a quarterfinals AFCON finish, Tunisia will hope to perform similarly well if they are to take home a story this year. The Eagles of Carthage, as they are called, will have to perform out of their minds to get a result through groups. Uh, shout out to the Eagles of Carthage. Uh, they don't offer much offensively when it comes to coming out of their shell. Here's to hoping for seven 1-0 wins. Uh, players to watch is Jan Valery. He's a former Southampton man and now plays for Angers. He will be the offensive talisman for Tunisia. But also, there is a player who has a penchant to score incredible goals. He is Wahbi Kazri. He is a number 10 for Montpellier, and I will show you a clip from his uh, most recent incredible goal. Oh, boy. A lot going on to start oh. out here. Oh, yeah. I thought Guy that goes was, down in the yeah. box, transition. He shoots Whoa. from way past that field. Oh, my. He shoots literally from the midfield circle. Yikes. That's on the opposite side of the field and scores. It is incredible. And I hope it happens again, this World Cup. Ooh, that would be very cool. I'd love that. Yes. Uh, there is not much else to say about Tunisia. They are the lowest ranked... I mean, I'm, excuse me. They are the lower ranking side in this group, and they really do have to punch up. I can't see them making it out of the groups. Uh, it's going to be either Australia or Tunisia that have to beat each other if they have a hope of escaping the group. If they tie, they seal their fates. And I don't see them making it out. Uh, and that is my short bit on Tunisia because we are yeah. uh, approaching a quick and cool hour and 45 minutes. Quick takes, Group D. I think it goes in order of seeding. Yes, I agree with that. France, Denmark, Australia, Tunisia. Yeah. I yeah. agree with that. France, Denmark, Australia, Tunisia. Okay. You think the soccer is getting Oh, up? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I like that. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't have the 6-7 center back and yeah. not. <laughs> Obviously. He scores... I mean, 60% of the time. Yeah, every time. It works every time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this, so sorry, guys, this is our first time doing it. But uh, so this concludes our first half coverage of all of the World Cup teams. That was 16 teams you saw, 16 teams you heard. A lot of good teams in there, a lot of long shot teams in there. Uh, we're also going to go straight into recording the second one, mm -hmm. but you'll get that later after this episode. <laughs> we are excited, but we are very tired. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>